John DeSauer. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, let's get it going on a Monday morning, July 11th, 2022, 609, 78 degrees in the capital city. We even had portion of the county in a severe thunderstorm warning here as we uh, got up this morning check of radar right now indicates that eh, yeah it looks like we're it look i mean i i've got to say it looks like it because you never know when the green blob is heading toward lincoln what's going to happen to the green blob but uh it does look like we got some rain moving in from the west seward should be seeing that uh now seward of milford probably seeing a little bit of that now and uh Throughout the morning hours, got a chance of some rain, some nice cool temperatures. Today, looking pretty good for a Monday morning. Got a busy show for a uh, for a Monday today. Uh, joining us, we are going to talk to uh, so some of my uh, some of my friends who are uh, former high school classmates, but a little older than me. They're having a uh, they're having a big reunion coming up. You know, a lot of class reunions. I was supposed to have a class reunion during the pandemic. I, at least I thought it would have been our twenty fifth year class reunion. Um, and it didn't ever happen. Um, and so a, uh, a group of classes uh, over there at my alma mater are getting together and uh, and having a, a multiple class reunion. And uh, so they've been they've been uh, asking me if they could come on the air to talk a little bit about it. So we're going to talk to uh, Andrew Loudon and Andy Campbell, a couple of guys who have been guests on this show for other matters before. You know, we'll see uh, we'll see what Loudon thinks too of uh, everything that happened on in uh, in Cardi this weekend. Nothing chaps his hide ever. Uh, we'll see. Maybe maybe what was going on at the Unis Center did this uh, this last weekend since he is uh, uh, an, an outspoken uh, proud Republican here in the state of Nebraska. So we'll talk to we'll see how that goes. He, he might, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. He might just change to being a conservative. Yeah, right? We'll <laughs> see. We will see. Uh, we'll have Tim Ruza join us. He'll probably get into a little bit of that as well with us. And then we're going to talk to uh, Keith Zimmer from the University of Nebraska Athletic Department uh, Life Skills Program at 835, uh, talking about some things coming up there as well. So a uh, busy day when it comes to guests. And uh, we'll also have our morning drive. We'll count down the five things people are talking about today, your sound off uh, as well. And so a uh, very busy morning here on LNK Today with Jack and Friends. And yes, we will start with what happened in Kearney over the weekend. Uh, I wasn't there. I was home having a, uh, a, a guy's weekend with my son, with my wife and daughter, both out of town, binge watching Stranger Things for almost the entire weekend. We can talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, but but uh, as as you know by now, uh, you had changes here. You had some significant changes uh, to the state Republican Party and its leadership. Yesterday, you had um, the people who weren't supposed to get in, according to the establishment, eventually got in. Not, but, but it took apparently an arrest of. Matt Innes, uh, who we've talked plenty about last week, uh, before he came out of jail and had like a triumphant return into the, into the conference center. I don't know if they brought down the lights and played the Rocky music or what they did exactly when that happened. That's but... why we should have had his entrance music. I know. It would we have been were, even I better. mean, we sort of foreshadowed basically everything that happened this weekend on our show on Friday when we, <laughs> when we went through and talked about things to do in Carney. If you were, 
uh, if you were not able to attend the event and those sorts of things and talked about wrestling interest, entrance music. Uh, but you come away from the weekend, Mark, with a, a, a very different-looking leadership of the Nebraska Republican Party. A lot of people, a new, new chairman, uh, of course, and then several other of the people in leadership who decided to step down in the wake of that decision by Republican uh, delegates there. So it was, uh, I don't know, Mark, what... <laughs> What uh, is how how significant is this change? Do you think, uh, in terms of you know what the Nebraska Republican Party looks like and and how they go forward in the coming months? Well, I think it's huge uh, from the standpoint of you don't lose your, your state executive director, uh, the the party chair, uh, and you know it's basically um, if you want to get right down to it, it's a not necessarily a repudiation, but it really kicks the Ricketts portion of the GOP out of power. And the now we'll see who actually ends up being the power players in the Nebraska GOP. At least that's the way I'm seeing it right now. But they don't have a lot of time before the convention, uh, before the uh, election. This could give uh, Nebraska Democrats an opening to uh, make some hay with it. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not sure how much hay you can make. I don't know how much this behind-the-scenes stuff matters to the average Nebraska voter who's weighing between two, especially two uh, gubernatorial candidates with this whole thing. But, yeah, and, and the interesting thing about it is, obviously, the incoming nominee for governor is part of the the quote establishment camp right part, part of the ricketts camp you don't need me to connect the dots on that one for you you guys all understand that uh, the, and the one the one area that's going to be i think the toughest for them is the ability to raise funds and how why would why would this change that situation because a lot of the uh well let's face it the the majority of the fundraising has been on the ricketts side and, and on the Ricketts bank account. <laughs> yes. I mean, right. let's just get to that. I mean, yeah. I'm, but I've heard anywhere from 60 to 80% of the Republican funding is from the Ricketts and the Ricketts campaign. Uh, and, and if that happens to go away, that's not good. Yeah. Well, and you think about how many of the, uh, the state legislative races were, fund, were funded by yes. Pete Ricketts. And there, there was a race I was covering a few years ago when I worked in central Nebraska where there was a Republican already in the race. And then another Republican jumped in who was immediately backed by Pete Ricketts. And then that, that first Republican I'd written the story, he, he claimed that Ricketts was trying to purchase the legislature, make himself veto-proof. And that has become a pretty common complaint among conservatives within the party. But which they would probably... But here's the thing. You say that, and I don't quite know why that would bother, that what you're speaking of would bother much of the Republican Party at all, because let's face it, this dispute or or whatever that it is, this rift that's happening within the party seems to me, tell me if I'm wrong, seems to me to have very little to do with policy differences. Well, no, it, it, it's about one person being able to run everything. That's yeah. where the issue is. Right. Yeah, that's what it, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe if I got, you know, uh, Innocent here or somebody else and and maybe they would have some specific policies that they would be bugged by. But I mean, Ricketts has been a I mean, am I wrong? When, when You know that they're calling him rhinos and those sorts of things. Ricketts has been really steadfastly conservative mm-hmm. yes. as a as a governor mm-hmm. of the last couple of years. And he's been even, you know, and 
you know, whatever happened with the whole Herbster thing and everything that's going on there, he's also, to some degree, you know, if if Trump is this litmus test for people as well, he's also been positive and and sort of behind as much as you can be, you know, to a to a president here with with Trump. So that's that's the odd thing to me about this whole thing is there's just not there's not really that I can see a huge policy divide between these kind of sects within within the party. It's just got to do with who's got control and it's got to do with with to some degree I think personal vendettas and and th- and and things that have happened in with relationships and loyalty and those sorts of things and who's trumpy enough can you really critique Rick, ricketts and it, say he's not uh he came out and said he didn't think he should run again okay well and, and he and, and he didn't back who trump was backing well that's for, for the governor's race that's true so yeah it, it it's I many it was primarily <laughs> no, but, trump yeah, supporters that, that that staged this um I know, but there's none of this goes to policy. It goes to personality. Yes, is politics? The thing. What do you expect? Yeah, I guess so. I guess <laughs> show. I guess you know me as the ultimate cynic of all of these things going on politically. But I, <laughs> it's part of me that looks at them and be like, okay, you guys agree on. I think you guys agree on almost you know every uh, everything that really matters mm-hmm. for the most part. Right? There are differences in how the party itself is run and and conducted. But when it comes to governing and the type of candidates that you would most like to see in office in terms of policy. I mean, I mean, I mean, let's be completely honest. How differently would policy look under Jim Pillen as compared as, as compared to Charles Herbster? What would the, what would the big difference have been between the two of those in terms of, of policy? I don't know the answer to that. But that's I don't know. The, as a, as, I mean, as, that's the rift. I, I have no idea. But maybe as a veterinarian, he would have had a different opinion on ivermectin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm just going uh, pulling that, stuff out of my ear. Uh, that's. I mean, that, that is. <laughs> so were they on just, Saturday? <laughs> the, the amount of the uh, the amount of just sort of internal turmoil and whatever consequences there are to this whole thing of people who are. Pretty much like-minded. It's the Slama palm tag for an entire state party. Yeah. 99% of everything is going to be the same. And I understand uh, Janet Palmtag has now registered as a Democrat. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I wonder if Heinemann will still be behind her then. Um, or what she's she's going to plan on doing going forward. I don't know. And, and again, I'm not there on the inside. I don't, I don't you know, I, I don't claim to have the experience of having seen what was was going on but it, it seems to me that a, a, a lot of people's uh I don't, and i don't even say this i'm not trying to say what i'm about to say in a way that's mocking or anything but a lot of people's feelings were hurt about basically the you know, interpersonal stuff Absolutely. that was going on with this whole thing the one group that's been uncharacteristic uncharacteristically quiet though is the nebraska congressional delegation ah yeah, got to please everybody, though. I mean, yeah. In this case, wise men and wise women probably said nothing. Well, and if you're seeing, because it was against a lot of establishment was what yeah. Saturday was happening, and it was a lot more of what people were saying. It was the people, and it was grassroots. So if you're already an elected official and you're thinking about future elections, you don't really want to jump in on anything right <laughs> no, now. You right. want to see how this plays out to see how you can manufacture your votes in the future. Absolutely. Right. 
It would be interesting to get a, an interview with Dave Heineman. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, I mean, it was a very his his state Republican Party felt a lot different than this one did. And, and I mean, and let's be honest too. And it, I was I was critical at the time. Uh, to the extent I've got any kind of a platform to be critical of intra-party business, but I was critical of the time when when they said, and I said, seriously, these these people have different ideas about who the best candidates are and mm-hmm. what the best policies are within a party, and so they can't come in the door? That feels like a good to thing to, to have those differences. Yeah, that, I mean... Once you do that, this, this thing is kind of set down the road, and people people in the party didn't like that, obviously, which I can understand from their perspective. I can. It's 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 a, it feels a little tone deaf to to put down this completely hard line and say this group doesn't even belong in the building. I mean, we're supposed to be on the same team mm-hmm. for the most part. But I, th- I think your statement about just the uh, personal uh, feelings being ups- upset. There's and hurt. still something in yeah, the back. There's, there's still there. some. There is something in the background of a few of these power players in this party, and I, I, I would, if I knew what it was, I would tell you and I would explain it. But there's something that happened at some point personally with some of these people that have has created a rift that is apparently bigger than politics evidently that is i mean that is more powerful than than policy to some degree well how, I, don't how, know. I wonder how many people were there that were that were delegates and they're choosing new leadership that had either supported a candidate or been a candidate themselves that ricketts had funded against maybe yeah because right. when, when you're funding against people within your own party that can rub a lot of people the wrong way yeah that's true that, that i mean yeah, <laughs> right. For There's, better or it's, worse, because obviously using, it's worked out for the party. They, they've, they've, they I still suppose, run the state. I suppose the gripe, the frustration is outsized influence by by a small number of people within the party. Um, even though it might it might be small policy differences, though, but it's outsized influence where the you know sort of the will of the people within the party gets ignored because they don't they can't wield that kind of influence financially or otherwise man that sounds like democrats (laughs) (laughs) it's all a circle yeah Yeah. one of the one of the interesting one of the interesting observations that uh i've heard over the weekend from uh someone who was there uh was little i i don't know whether it was conflicted uh on the election of eric underwood lancaster county chair as the state chair uh they said you know Lancaster County Republicans haven't done so well. Yeah. And now, now you're moving that chairman into the state level. Uh, I mean, you know, the county commission and, and the city council uh, has a decided turn to the left. That's a conversation well, I had as well, Mark. That, yeah. that, it's, a, it's an interesting decision to go that direction. Uh, I mean, I don't know the guy. I don't have anything, you know, anything to, to say about him. But I I will say this. I've I've compared very frequently lincoln lancaster county uh area republicans and the way that they've 
done in getting candidates and winning election to state of Nebraska Democrats. Yep. <laughs> to me, yeah. it, that, you have known that already. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it feels very similar. It feels very similar with just, you know, not having the right people run for office when you should have had someone else and not putting up, you know, a, a ton of a fight when it feels like you should be able to, or at least a little bit. So. Yeah, so I, I and I don't know how much that translates over from being at the county level to to then doing what you're doing at the state as well. It's a, it's a completely different thing. But right now, I think they're probably looking for somebody who's a, a uniting force more than you know more than the let's, the strategy of of winning elections. Because frankly, let's be honest. This I, I mean, let's be honest about this. State this state Nebraska Republicans don't really have to win. Worry about that that much. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a different. It's a completely different job. You don't have to worry about winning elections. Well, and, and the Lancaster County Republicans—they've been on Drive Time Lincoln with Commander Riggins a number of times. They've been updating a lot of their strategy. So maybe maybe that yeah, resonated. They should yeah, yeah, <laughs> maybe, perhaps, maybe it's a a new direction here. And not to be facetious or cynical, but I understand that there was out there at that convention there was almost church council meeting that broke out. What a church! A church. You've never been on a oh, church council. No, I haven't. But I have a father who has been. Yeah. Yes, that's. It almost got to that level. Yes, that's right. <laughs> See, we called it. They called my, my dad's church. It was called. Uh, I I fumbled that because it was called consistory in our oh, denomination. There was almost so, a consistory. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Hey, plenty of time to spend out there on hams on the lake. Maybe go yeah, hit up yeah. fields. <laughs> One of the millions of splash pads. <laughs> the Republican Party splash pad tour of Carney 2022. Or time to get uh, booked. There's also that, too. Uh, and this morning's ag report. Yes. Cows have who's because they lactose. 626. Zell <laughs> today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. I like the local news because it doesn't get into all these politics. Get today's top news and sports directly to your inbox. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com. John DeSauer. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK Today. All right. All right. All right. It's not raining outside, Caleb. Not yet. One of these times, one of these I don't know, it seems wet outside every time I take my dog out in the middle of the night. Yeah. Whew. That thing was, he was, uh, he's getting worse at sleeping through the night. I just want to tell you that right now. We had a few successful nights the whole night through, no problems. Uh, first time around, and now we got the, uh, about two in the morning, there's about, there's about an hour in there where we were taking him out and trying to, Trying to get him to go to the bathroom, get trying to get him back to sleep. So, uh, but dog life, dog life is continuing to be, uh, you know, everything I kind of expect it to be. Just beautiful. The highs are high. The highs are high. The lows are, uh, you know, <laughs> taxing. Hey, you watched I, what? Almost three. Like you watched two and a half seasons of Stranger Things. Yeah, the I, I mean, I was uh, I I uh, with without the whole family there because again, uh, those of you who have owned puppies know this. It's not like you can when you're home that you can just let them run around and not pay attention to them. It's kind of like a baby. 
<laughs> and uh, so you couldn't really do that. So when uh, this weekend there were fewer of us to do it, do that. So I use it as an excuse to to binge. I don't really binge TV shows ever. I am the longest. Takes me longer than anyone to get through a show. I mean, points to the fact that I'm just now watching this show that everybody's been watching for like six years uh, here at this point. But I got through two full plus seasons. Yeah, and I finally, I finally hit that moment where you get into a series and it usually takes about three episodes depending on the show in that range somewhere where you you're like okay i I need more of this i need Mm -hmm. more of this you've got to fight through it's kind of like a romantic relationship in reverse it's like the benjamin button of your marriage sort of (laughs) because you start out you start out in the phase where uh, you know, you're, you're you're putting forth the effort to show commitment, even though the flame isn't necessarily there. Right. That's it's 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 about a, a, a commitment and about, you know, knowing that this is something that you care about. Sir, even, I get married in 16 days and I don't, don't think don't I want you speaking at my wedding anymore. That, that, yeah, that's the end of it. I'm going to come. And then and then, you know, things start to get to the point that, oh, yeah, well. You know, this is this is very nice. And then by the time you you get to the end, it's like you 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 can't keep away from the thing, right? It's just hot and heavy. Every every minute that you get, you're watching parts of this show. And then it's over and you're lonely. <laughs> and and you wish that you had a a show. Yeah. It legitimately is uh significant romantic relationships in reverse. That's what binging a TV show is like. Right, go the the exact opposite is is how it yeah. usually works. So, get it? I got it. Uh, you don't. I can, so I can't use that analogy in your wedding. If you really want, <laughs> if you really. I mean, want you knew to. what you were getting. You know, Caleb, Megan, relationships are like binge watching a TV show in reverse. <laughs> you're at the end now. You're toward the season finale, but you're going to go toward <laughs> the season premiere. And it will change over those years. I don't know. I'll work on it. I've got Dude. some. Ed- uh, I've got some edits coming. Maybe work on that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What are we going to talk about today? Here this morning in our morning drive. Oh, some big economic numbers coming out this week that might give us a better idea if we are heading toward a recession in this country. Let's find out more about those. The markets are bracing for the consumer price index report that's out this week because that's going to indicate what the next move is for the Federal Reserve in their attempt to soothe inflation. In May, the price of everyday goods rose 8.6 percent from the year prior, and economists predict that the June number will have risen above that. And Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo said the main focus of the Biden administration is combating inflation. She expects growth too slow, but said yesterday that the public shouldn't, quote, be talking ourselves into a recession. Still, record high gas prices has Americans struggling to fill their tanks, and President Biden sees his upcoming trip to Saudi Arabia as a way to unify Gulf states and stabilize oil markets. All right, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, President going to Saudi Arabia this week. Uh, some have seen as a bit controversial for a variety of reasons. The president's upcoming trip to the Saudi kingdom comes with fairly heavy risk on both the domestic and international fronts. Now, from the international perspective, he'll obviously try to smooth over hard feelings with the Saudis, all while maybe encouraging them to open the spigot when it comes to more oil production. But there's also heavy cost and heavy risk here domestically because the president is 
also facing fairly significant criticism from both the political left and the political right that what he's essentially doing is shuffling over to the Saudis with hat in hand while tamping down domestic oil production right here at home. Not exactly a picnic when you consider he's been harshly critical of the Saudis' human rights record. But the most important question is, are they going to gather around that glowing orb? <laughs> right? That, remember when Trump was there and they had like the crown prince and they all... They all got around that thing and it was glowing and they had their hands on it. It looked like a it looked like a scene from some 80s kids fantasy movie. Let's get Biden around that thing cuz as amazing as Are you explaining Stranger Things? As maybe as amazing as it was with Trump, I think it could be just as cool with Biden if we we also <laughs> we get really him, tried. if we get him on the orb. Meanwhile, gas prices are I mean they're sort of going down. They're, uh, they, uh, na- we've, we've seen some good, better numbers nationally. I mean, they're still, uh, let's, let's be honest, it's still ridiculously high, but nonetheless, some momentum in the right direction. Gas prices have fallen 19 cents over the last couple of weeks. Oil industry analyst Trilby Lumber. Regular grade now averages $4.86, and combined with the prior smaller drop, over one month, the price is down 24 cents per gallon. Lumberg says that crude oil prices remain the key element in determining where the prices go from here. If they stabilize from here at least a little while, I think we're going to see another 10 to 20 cent drop in the price of gasoline. However, Lumberg says there is not enough worldwide crude oil supply to have a further impact on the price point. We will not see the kind of crude oil price crash that will allow for a huge drop at the gasoline pump. Kevin Uretsky. Fox News. All right. So uh, the new, I mean, our new reality is like uh, 425 is exciting. Is that what it is? I hope 415. Not. Yeah, I mean, you may, know, maybe for now. What's interesting to me is is it feels like to me and in, in, in driving around, there's more variety of gas prices in Lincoln now than there was a couple of months ago. They're not so uniform. Like the range, it feels like the. it used to be everybody was with, you know, when it was getting really high, everybody was within five, ten cents. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like there's a range of like, in Lincoln, there's a range of like 30 cents depending on, on where you go here. Which I always want, th- there's a part of me and I, you know, I don't want to go way into the economy of gas prices, but there is always a part of me that wonders you know, this is a this is a still a competitive industry, mm-hmm. right? Why why you don't have more of that? You know, with people with with these businesses, and I understand you're not making as much revenue if you're selling it for less. But where are the wars? Mm-hmm. Where are the competitive price wars? Come on, let's how, go. Let's how, yeah, let's get this uh, time for capitalism to work for us here, right? Right. Okay. How much? How much leniency decision making does the individual gas station get when coming up with those and that's prices? A, yeah, that and and that's a good that's controlled by somebody much higher up, I'm sure, and right. market factors as well. But come on, you're trying to sell everybody uh, car washes while you're there, right? They might come in and grab a roller grill item or something like that. To, uh, take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Get me to get me to your gas station. Get me to your gas station. <laughs> specifically get jack figure out a way you compete for me not vice versa (laughs) i don't need to be searching out everywhere around the city you compete for me uh (laughs) 
You look at uh, look at your restaurant receipt lately and see some new things on it that you don't remember in the past. I heard about somebody seeing this last week. It's becoming more of a norm in the industry. The next time you're grabbing a meal at your favorite restaurant, you may notice that it costs a little more with new fees added due to inflation. Kyle Green is the owner of a group of restaurants along the Florida coast and says that costs were already up due to the pandemic. Last October, Green pivoted to a commission service charge model for all four of his locations. It helped us absorb these costs versus having to continue to just raise our prices. National Restaurant Association CEO Michelle Corzimo points out that many restaurants across the U.S. have chosen to add various fees to the final bill instead of increasing menu prices. Some of those surcharges are listed as wellness and kitchen appreciation fees. <laughs> kitchen hey, appreciation. Hey, look, the, look the, the price of the nachos didn't go up here. This is great. Let's get those. And then you get your bill and it's like... You know. It's it's it actually the end. did, yeah. It, it, it's it's kind of like those uh, fireworks stands that are, you know, the, they all advertise by you know by four for the price of one. Oh, how everyone signed <laughs> but, is fifty percent off. Oh, right, every, if uh, everyone's is fifty percent off, what's the baseline price? <laughs> right. <laughs> that's like that's like me say, hey, I'm going to sell you four houses uh, in in uh, in Lincoln. For the price of one, the one costs, you know, $1.8 million. So, uh, We're not that far off from that, by the way. Uh, <laughs> stamp prices going up. Yeah. Add it to the list. Starting today, it will now cost you 60 cents to mail a letter domestically. Posted rates are going up today. That also includes pre-sorted rates for businesses and nonprofits. But for regular letter sending... You will be spending two cents extra per stamp. You do not, however, need to buy two cent stamps. First class postage sold as forever stamps will always be usable for the current needed postage amount, no matter how much you paid for them. Evan Brown, Fox News. Mailroom appreciation fees. <laughs> I'm still kicking myself not buying like a bunker and filling that thing up with forever stamps. J- j- and then tons just, of them and it's like going an, on to amazon right now entire field when they put those forever stamps out whenever <laughs> it was 10 12 years ago and just just hoarding those things <laughs> and uh, the value i mean it's one of the best investments you can make right yeah i mean you go back to 2013 2012 2012 uh stamp price were 45 cents so it's uh in 10 years we're up 15 cents since then the last hike was on august 29th 2021 33% increase didn't even quite make it a year before we had a 2% 2% raise on the stamp prices uh so apparently the elon musk twitter thing not happening what a roller coaster Uh, evidently i think well except maybe well let's take a listen to this twitter could push musk to pay the one billion dollar break of fee associated with ending the agreement but instead they say we will see you in court bloomberg is now reporting that twitter has hired a prominent law firm to handle the case merger law heavyweight wachtel lipton rosen and katz the chair of twitter's board is committed to closing the deal with musk and said friday they'll take legal action to do so also musk has reportedly brought on a firm that successfully defended him against a defamation claim in 2019. Musk's attorneys announced Friday that he is terminating his $44 billion deal with Twitter, citing a lack of transparency in the company's data regarding how much of its user base is made up of fake accounts. Do you remember when it first looked like this was all going to happen? And I, I kept saying, what I really want to know, and we will find out eventually, uh, is if this is truly about 
principle for Elon Musk and and just the, his perception of the need that this platform, because it's so big, needs to be reformed? Mm-hmm. Or is it about the dollars and cents and what makes sense? And, and my premonition at the time was that you don't become the world's richest man by not being very smart and caring a lot about the dollars and cents. Right. And it turns out that's what it was about. <laughs> and I'm not I'm not blaming him for that. If he was getting a if he was getting a bad deal based on those things, this very well could have been the right, the smart, the savvy financial move in this entire thing. But there was this perception that he had this he was idealistic that so much so that it sort of overrode some of the the financial risk and downside of this entire thing and apparently not idealistic enough to swallow mm-hmm. whatever whatever concern that he had about the bot accounts and and that sort of thing. But Twitter's apparently gotten a pretty big deal law firm for uh yeah. to to represent him. Billion dollar fee if the deal doesn't go through. Billion dollar fee. Jeez. Whew. Um, all right, what else What else do we have? Oh, this is unpleasant. Of course, you know, when I go on vacation in August, um, we're going to go, my, my, all my in-laws are from Iowa, and we're, we're meeting them out at a lake in southern Iowa. Uh, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a Arm, Army Corps of Engineers place, really nice lake. And then I hear this story, which isn't at the same lake, but I think it's close. A freshwater beach in southern Iowa is off limits to everyone until health officials determine if it's the source of a deadly brain-eating amoeba. Super. A woman from Missouri who swam in the water at the Lake of Three Fires last month is infected with a small creature. Health officials and the CDC are testing the lake water as well as other public water sources. The Negleria fallery amoeba is commonly found in warm freshwater lakes lakes, rivers, and ponds, where it enters through a person's nose ah. and travels to the brain. Great. Carmen Great. Roberts, Fox News. Bad bad time for me to start watching Stranger Things and have this story come up and have my vacation be... Ugh. Now I'm looking at the map to see how close this place is to where I'm going. I'm not familiar with my... Uh, uh, uh. The one I'm going to is probably the closest other lake there. This isn't far from Omaha, actually. Down there by between uh, by Clarinda, Iowa, a little bit by Bedford, Lake of Three Fires State Park. Brain-eating amoeba, fantastic. Uh, my goodness. Let's see. Should we? Uh, oh, the running of the bulls uh, over the weekend. Oh yeah. Um, nobody died. Good. So it's it's been, I believe, since two thousand nine since that happened. I mean, I wouldn't call it a fo- well. Take a listen. Running with the Bulls is not for the faint of heart. The big event in the city of Pamplona, Spain, popularized by Ernest Hemingway's 1926 novel The Sun Also Rises, draws tens of thousands of visitors from around the world. It's back following a two-year hiatus due to COVID. Saturday's third run of the San Fermin Festival was marred by the event's first gorings of the year. Two men were injured, eight runners were gored in 2019, and 16 people have been killed since the tradition began back in 1910. But if you think it's bad for the participants, it's worse for the bulls. The six animals that run each morning are killed by professional bullfighters later that same day. Really? Kevin McHugh, Fox oh, News. I didn't know that. Okay. Killed by, like, how? I mean, I don't want to get too grotesque here, but I, how do... Hmm. Right. I think it's with a sword. I'll have to look that up. 
have to look that up. Uh, do we have to go, or do you want me to do my last? Let's do one? one more. All right, we'll do this last one. We got our we, uh, movies are back, Caleb. I've said it all summer. Movies <laughs> are back. They've been back. They are back, and another big weekend in the office. Maybe uh, not not kind of the traditional ones that we've seen the last few months. Let me tell you the story of the space Viking Thor Odinson. Thor: Love and Thunder earned 143 million in its opening weekend in North America, according to studio estimates Sunday. With its global total already at 302 million, it's a franchise best for the God of Thunder and another success story of the summer 2022 box office season. I am going to be a super villain. The fourth Thor movie starring Chris Hemsworth bumped Minions The Rise of Gru into second place with 45.6 million. Top Gun Maverick placed third in its seventh weekend in theaters with 15.5 million and Elvis took home 11 million in fourth place. Humans and dinosaurs can't coexist. Rounding it out at number five is Jurassic World Dominion at 8.4 million. Mary Corsetti, Fox News. Look at Top Gun, still at number three, seven weekends in. Still doing well. Jeez. All right, it's uh, 6.57. We'll take a break. It's LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. Still not raining. Oh, it's just dissipating. It's just, it's just melting into the ether once again. Rusty's gonna. Oh, by the way, did you see Rusty Dawkins' video? Yeah, big deal. Rusty's uh, going back to full time TV. The Dome Wars are going to take on a new form when he's back on Channel A. He doesn't need expanded media for that. All right. Uh, We got a lot coming up. Your morning drive and a couple of guys who are a little, a lot older than me that wanted to come on the show, and I'm going to let them. 7 o'clock, KLI and Lincoln. Hiya. Jack and friends on KLI, and glad to have you back with us on this Monday morning, July eleventh, twenty twenty-two. Well, uh, so I, I got got a couple of, and you know, I got this from somebody very old because it came in the form of a Facebook Messenger message. But um, I, I I kept getting these notes from this this pesky uh, uh, pesky friend of mine, neighbor of mine, who kept saying, "Hey, you got you got to let me come on come on your show because we've got a big event coming up." And and I said, "You know, we don't do that many event interviews all that much anymore." But he kept bugging me, and 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 so eventually I said, "That's fine, but you need to bring you need to bring like some actual celebrities, some accomplished people." And so I told uh, Andrew Loudon at the time, I said, "If you bring some some accomplished people with you, I can get you on to talk about your little event, and you can sort of." sort of use the influence of the people who are younger than you who graduated from your same high school. And so uh, th- that was Andrew Loud. And he said, fine, I'll, what if I bring the uh, state champion golf coach and I bring, you know, one of the one of the stalwarts in the uh, Lincoln business and landscape community with me? And I said, that might do it. That might be enough, to, you know, to drag your lazy self in here. And so joining me right now. Uh, Andrew Loudon, uh, Joe Schlegelmilch, and Andy Campbell right now. Uh, oh, that was uh, a perfect intro uh, because that that's exactly how we treat Loudon. That's true. I mean, I mean we did. So these the, these guys were all they were uh, they were all in the halls of of Lincoln East High School when uh, when I was like an an eighth grader and still there, and so probably threatening to beat me up all the time. You were a just gummer. mean. I was I was very mean, but I was in the same halls and, uh, and I would have been to beat you up then. It was when you uh, you know asked. 
ask my sister out to like homecoming or something like that. <laughs> I picked her up for dates at your house many times. That's right, <laughs> many many times. And so we got a you know we got a a history with these guys, but they've got uh, an event coming up, and and Loudon asked if he could come on. So I, I obviously I begrudgingly said yes. And so you guys are uh, so it, it, you guys are having a big like major class reunion coming up. Which, which is kind of interesting. I think I was supposed to have my 25th and it never happened. I think because of COVID. So, uh, so Loudon, I guess I'll start with you. What did you guys do? Combine several years together? We did. So, you know, the pandemic screwed up our 30th reunion, which was supposed to be last year. It screwed up the class of 90. We're the class of 91. So we're doing an epic reunion. Get it? The epic was the name of the East No, nobody, nobody, okay. nobody, nobody gets that except okay. the people in this room. Literally. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> It's uh, 90, 91, 92, three classes, 30-year reunion, and it's going to be a week from Saturday, July 23rd, down at Rosie's Bar at 130 North 10th Street. And, uh, you know, the most famous member of our class is Coach Joe Schlegelman. Absolutely. Who's well, the uh, trophy that I boys know. golf team won the state championship <laughs> this year, and uh, he's going to tell us all about the school tours. Well, first of all, I'm not famous, but thank you anyway for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, so... The school tour is part of our reunion weekend, and at 9 o'clock Saturday morning, our new principal, Casey Freeze, is going to lead a tour of all of our alums that would like to come up and see all the new things happening at East High. So we would like uh, as many people to come up there as possible so that he has some people to show around. He's looking forward to it. I figured he was still looking for the bathrooms there. Well, he is. Doors. He is. <laughs> and it depends which ones are open on which day, because, you know, there's yeah. crazy things going on in the bathrooms. Yeah, I know. Now, are you guys all the same year? I didn't even know this. You yes, guys yeah. all the yep, same 91. year? 91. All right. Who, uh, okay. Who was, uh, in this group, who was the wildest uh, high schooler out of this group? Well, it definitely wasn't loud. No, Joe was the quarterback of the football I team. know he was. Uh, in name, in name only. <laughs> That's very good. So it's the it's the event at Rosie's, and then and the school tours. Anything else connected with it, guys? Or I'm sure some informal things. Well, they you know to answer your question, pretty 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 laid back on some levels. We decided to go with you know one big event. you know, there's still a lot of people that weren't sure they wanted to travel for COVID and that kind of stuff. So we'd, we'd right. love to have as many people out. The event, uh, you can register for the event if you're a member of the class. We've been trying to send emails out and social media, but if you haven't seen it, we'd love to have you. Go to eventbrite.com, search, make sure you're signed up under Lincoln. So you're searching the Lincoln area and put in Lincoln East, and we're like second or third down on the list of events. How hard is it to find people? Now, uh, is it really that hard? Yeah. Like, are there... We, we talked about actually trying to mail out. We worked with LPS. We worked with them. We got a list. We got it updated, sent emails out. But then we looked at it, and it would have cost us probably a 1000 bucks just to send out mailed invitations, and we just didn't see the budget available. And and so you're hoping the wallflowers from the class that aren't communicating more are listening to my radio show, and that's how you're going to And we also them. keep hearing people that go, oh, I, keep, I need to keep signing up. I need to get it. Yeah, you are the wallflower, of course. <laughs> What is it? this is going to bring everybody to it and I the Journal Star? We're we're hoping no. I'm oh, totally kidding. <laughs> uh, so uh, so no. I uh, it's a real challenge because not everyone 
does social media and most of what we've done. And there's going to be some upset people because we've mostly advertised on social media. And there's a lot of people that have dropped off of Facebook. So as you mentioned, so it's a challenge, but uh, we're doing the best. I we almost can. dropped out of Facebook after seeing all your posts. It's, <laughs> it's a very, you know, I dropped out of Facebook from seeing your posts. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's a deadly, it's just a deadly circle. Can you tell the Lincoln East graduates are really g- loving of each will other? You card not, will you be carding people when they come into Rosie's with like their year of graduation? What if I were to show up at this? What if I brought up, you know, just a, a group of 96ers that I think are as gonna... long, I think what we would say, as long as you're paying for your uh, entrance, we'd probably consider it. <laughs> Do it. Come on uh, down. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if, yeah, if there are others, put a comment in this. Uh, Come you know, on. You are. There's even a band. Did you talk about I, I know. I'm sorry. So John Leffler, class of 1990. You used to work here. Uh, yeah. AMFM, uh, awesome band, is playing with the 80s and 90s hits. And so it's uh, $50 a couple, $30 for an individual. We've got food. We've got three drink tickets per person, and we've got an awesome band, and you get to see all your friends from the best high school in America, Lincoln East. <laughs> By the way, I remind Jeremy just texted in, go Knights, class of 94, so just FYI. And maybe that's the kind of carding that you need to be doing. Right, there no Knights, door. no. Right. <laughs> exactly. Although Rosie's is being run by a knight right now, so. Oh, wow. No. Wow. So hopefully everything, no, they wouldn't do anything to the food. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good. Well, what what kind of a turnout do you think you're going to get for something like this? Oh, we get at we're, right now? we're over 150 plus, and we'd love to see up to 200. Um, but you know, you never know. The last two weeks are where you really may get those last people going. You know what? I do have time. I don't have to take the kids somewhere for something, and we're just going to enjoy how many people come with us and and have a great night. What do we expect the difference between a 30th year? reunion to be compared to the 20th year reunion in terms of the the interaction the things that people are interested in i mean are we are we past the level of needing to impress everyone at this point because we've reached a certain age oh yeah we're past all that <laughs> in fact the, the end time will probably be a lot sooner than it was 10 years ago also that's probably the biggest difference I gotta right get there. home and see the news yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah with our 20th we closed the bar we then yeah i you remember know, after, it was happening you know, the same time as mine Correct. My, uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's you know it, it. We're all getting older. We're all going to have different things to talk about. It, you know, ten years ago, it probably was you know kids and that kind of stuff. Now it may be grandkids or, you know, what are the kids doing? Kids are in high school, college, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. So, you know, it is as we all get older, there are different conversations to have. All right. Well, so there you go. Uh, what's that website again where people can find out more? Where tickets are going through Eventbrite. So just go on Eventbrite, search Lincoln East, and uh, I just did it this morning, and we were number two down. There's some. There's a TED talk right ahead of us. So <laughs> let's get past that. Yeah, I say if we'd let's love get, to get past, past that. that. Loud wire. Were, were you out in Carney regulating this weekend or what? Uh, no, I, come on. I'm an establishment Republican. I got bumped out at the county convention. I I think I got the second least votes in my district. And uh, last, someone called me a rhino oligarch. So. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm not a true conservative anymore. They were putting people in cuffs outside the thing. My goodness. Oh, I know. Yeah. What's uh, happening? That's pretty exciting. I mean, it's fun to be a Republican these days. Uh, (laughs) That's one way way to put it. Yeah. Ditto.
Yeah, no, I uh, I didn't make the cut. Oh, so. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, you got time in the neighborhood then. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen you walking around the neighborhood much lately. Well, it kind of shows, too. So, yeah, I need to get out there walking Fox <laughs> Hollow a little bit more. So Very good. All right. Hey, guys, thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. Best of luck on the event. If I crash it, I'll warn you Do uh, in advance. Please. I don't want kind of like a, any kind of an intra-class fight to break out where we're all You're more than welcome. hitting each other with our canes and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, great, guys. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you again. Have a good one, all right? Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us. Thanks. Uh, got seven. That's uh, Joe Schlegel-Melch, Andrew Loud, and Andy Campbell uh, from Lincoln East and their reunion that we've got coming up. 722, it's LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Before you hit that drive time, stay alert with Nitro Cold Brew Coffee from Brooklyn. All right, without any further ado, let's get things started today with... Number five. State GOP convention over the weekend, kind of a raucous event. Found the party chair removed, other wholesale changes in leadership. Lancaster County Chair Eric Underwood selected as the new state party chair, replaced Dan Welch. And five of the six delegates that were originally denied credentials were ultimately reinstated. The delegates approved it. So they got so, the letter saying they couldn't come. That from the credentials they, committee. They came. They did. One of them was arrested. Matt Ennis. He comes back. They let him in. They vote to allow five of the six in. They change out all the lead. I mean, basically clean house when it comes to the leadership. Yeah, and staff resigned. They cancel too. their breakout sessions because they, they're debating all these sorts of things. And, and some of the staff resigned then uh, along with it. This is an eventful weekend, Mark. Absolutely. What is happening? Uh, what you know, is happening it happen- with this it, whole thing? It happens in Kearney. It's a, uh, man, there is a real battle, and I, I, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated with, you know, where this all boils down to, to something, right? Like, it's not about policy difference as far as I can see. It's about, like, the inner workings of... Of the party and the decision makings yep. and 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 I think deep down I really the more that I I watch how all of the stories within the party have come out over the last several years, frankly, um, you know whether you're talking about uh, Herbster and uh, Ricketts and Pillen or Palm Tag and, and Slama and and Slama and Herbster and and uh, Heineman and. Ricketts and Herbster and all of these things. It's it seems like there is. It feels to me like all of the issues right now are an outgrowth of of, and I don't know what it is exactly, but some kind of a personal rift that is that is there. That some point that somebody double crossed someone, and the it's grown and grown and grown. This personal rift, and that's kind of how it's manifesting itself right now. Yeah, I think it, it really started back during the uh, the Trump uh, years, and then when Matt Innes uh, ran against Ben Sass, didn't get Trump support, didn't get support from the party. Uh, that was kind of the first time we heard things being a little bit uh, noisy about the leadership of the party. And, uh, you know, it just has kind of ratcheted up. Yeah, that's up. true. You know, that's true. There's a lot. There's probably something to that because, you know, the Ricketts has stayed uh, tight with, with Sass in terms of what he said publicly about him and, and who he was supporting in that race. And somehow, and I'm still fascinated with whatever the process was where Trump endorsed Sass. 
right? <laughs> and who who, uh, who did vote to Im- vote to convict on impeachment a few months after that for Trump and you know and I'm at Innes will tell you this. I mean, he's been t- he's got his his Facebook picture is a picture of him and Trump. Yep. I know. I've, I I visit it when I'm checking out to see if he's not <laughs> understanding the radio ratings every once in a while. <laughs> Let it go. Let it go. Them's the breaks. <laughs> and here's the thing: this party, you you know, this is like the only thing they can't lose right now. They can't lose when it comes to competing with the Democrats. The only thing they can lose to right now is themselves, right? I mean, they're in the, the they're in a great place politically in this state right now, just in terms of a, a party head to head against any other competing competing party, primarily the Democrats. Like, I mean, state races, Democrats aren't even putting up candidates, right? For a bunch of them here at this point, reminds like, me things are going things are going generally well. For you reminds me of when I had uh, an aquarium and a bunch of guppies, and they eat their young. You know, that's kind of it's kind of a self uh, flatulation type of deal in, uh, in there. And, and I've said Except this here: Are they saying they're they're eating the old because it was yeah. they, they were trying to get rid of the established ones within yeah, the party? Yeah. I mean, here Loudon came in here. He said he got called a what did he say? A, a rhino, a rhino, oligarch. A rhino, go, rhino oligarch. They're calling Ricketts a. A rhino too. I've said this about all kinds of political things in the in the past, but sometimes it feels like policy doesn't matter anymore that much to people. In this case, per- I don't think it does. Uh, uh, personality and and control and power matter more than policy in politics. Who you've supported in the right past, now. who you've aligned yourself with. Yes. A big well, part of this was how Trumpy were you? Like right. that, that that gets to the base of a lot of it, but. You're right when you say there's a lot of these that just feel like there's vendettas that have been out there within the party. That, but that, and, but- that and people are, are, it's really become a societal issue where people uh, go out of their way to be offended. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's it too. You know, and and being offended is, is somehow a, a badge of courage maybe. And so they, they get their buns in a dither and away they go i mean you it's it's just crazy you've got all over it's not just here but it's everywhere you've got people and and it's especially with the on the right right now people who i think are in close to lockstep when it comes to policy beliefs that barely matters yeah. to, to some degree anymore it's just it, it's not it's about it's about all of these tertiary things outside of policy at this point, and and then we throw around ter- we throw around terms like uh, like rhino, conservative, liberal, all of these things, and they don't even correlate to policy anymore. They correlate to who your loyalty is with in in terms of a personality. You know, one of the rising stars nationally in the Republican Party is Glenn Youngkin. I wonder what he thinks of Nebraska Republicans. Yeah, he now. came. He came down. But did he know what he was stepping into? I don't, I don't. They had to. They had to push lunch back like two hours. You, got, you don't skip lunch. They got a nice cater to the sandwiches at the Eunice. Were probably getting cold at that point. Maybe they were supposed to be cold. Sandwiches. Now I, I didn't know. see an, any video of it, but what? Obviously, I saw the video of the aftermath as we saw Matt Ennis being arrested, and then eventually he does come back and everything. But I would like to see video of what led up to the arrest, and then 
being booked for assault and yeah. By the way, is, are they going to bring charges against him? Do we know what's happening with that? Uh, I don't know. Uh, the The charge was. Uh, or at least initially they reported assault because a security guard inside uh, s- stepped in front of him and uh, Innes said he-, he touched him or something and Innes then says, and I took him down. And so that was the, <laughs> that was Innes' statement uh, on video. So they had private security probably. Yes. That- yes. And so whether that private security firm or person decides to press charges, that would be I guess up to them. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, and, and meanwhile, but by, by the way, you got Jim Pillen running, who is a part of the quote establishment group with this whole thing. The 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 guy who didn't win Secretary of State, boy, he's going to run as a write-in. I mean, I don't know. Is is this going to really split people within the party? Oh, it already has. I mean, is yeah. it? Is, well, I mean, but like significantly. Is it, I mean, is Bohr really going to be a real factor in this thing? We'll to, know to in the a few point months. where it opens the door for a, a a Democratic candidate. I mean, I don't think so. But as as deep as this runs, did you? Think- it makes me wonder if if there are a, several Republicans that just won't cast a vote for Pillen at this point. That that would be the most likely scenario. And it's obviously it's an opening for the Nebraska Democrats. Yeah, that's right. If you split that, you somehow split that vote. I mean, they ought to be making. Uh, I'm going to be making commercials for the writing candidate. And at that point, you know, you've also got the possibility of bringing in national money, right? But again, then on the other, oh. and Patty Pansy Brooks was at the White House Friday. Meeting with vice president, so you know and, they're they're taking note of Nebraska. And just to show that I'm not a, that I'm an equal equal opportunity critic here, when the Democrats could maybe take advantage of it, it I don't think they will. Yeah, I mean, no, I don't think it's. Uh, listen, I, I've got no, I've got no. I, I, would, I don't know, I don't know Carol Blood that much other than talking to her, but she doesn't feel like a candidate that's going to be able to storm in there and. And get some get some momentum. I, I don't disagree so. with you, but two months ago, I would have never thought that there'd have been a civil war within the Republican Party yeah. in the state either. All right, moving on. Number four, railroad uh, workers rallying outside Burlington Northern Santa Fe Rail Yard yesterday in the Haymarket, advocating for BNS of the unions to try to reach an agreement. They're upset over working conditions and how they supported everything through the pandemic and basically not feeling the love back yeah and there were people from not just you know this area but from kind of the region that that uh did this thing but they had a, a cooling off period there's no there's no agreement here at this point and they're kind of at a, a bit of an impasse right now and with this and given all the infrastructure uh things that we've got going on and supply chain we don't need a big disruption on one of the major uh, rail lines yeah well, to the point that the president is is probably going to create an emergency board to recommend settlement terms here at this thing, just because there would be such an impact on this whole thing, and or maybe Congress gets involved with this labor dispute. But the, but Congress isn't going to agree on anything. Uh, that's good point. Number three, gotta say congratulations, meteorologist Rusty Dawkins, back on the radio with pictures officially, officially 5 6 and 10 p.m weather dude at klkn tv channel 8 he's he's back in the game he's been subbing in there quite a bit and been doing the uh 
I, you know, my title for for him is the internet's favorite meteorologist. I don't know if I have to put that on hold or not. If he's if he's back on TV right now, I have to ask him if uh, if that's okay. But it's, he's, uh, he's got a, a nice video on rusty weather at Facebook. Yes, Facebook.com slash rusty weather. That was good. I think we'll probably hear him on the show uh, show quite a bit here and on KLI and quite a bit, uh, which we already did, but probably even more so now. Number two. Vice President Kamala Harris planning to be riding with Biden in 2024. Okay, I don't know who wrote that, but go ahead. Harris recently asked to share a message for those on Capitol Hill who speculate Biden will not run. She said, quote, listen to President Biden. He intends to run. And if he does, I intend to run with him. So there you go. End quote. But what about that word, if? Yeah. Uh... I don't know, because nobody's going to clear out. If he runs, no, no, I don't think anybody serious, any of the, the top candidates or potential replacements, whoever that is exactly, are, are going to run. So they're not going to run against him, against an incumbent amount of serious campaign. And to some degree, it feels like the same is true of Trump, right? So right. that means if these two guys still want it and want to go another round in this thing, they're probably going to. Like, do you do you think if if I think that's definitely true on the on the Democrat side of things? I just don't think Gavin Newsom or somebody is going to challenge Biden if Biden's running on this thing. But if Trump runs, do the primary do the serious primary threats back out or not? No, you don't think. And I guess DeSantis is probably the main De- one. DeSantis. You don't uh, think he's back? You, you think he think, will primary I, Trump? I think well, so. not primary him, but. Well, I, I it think is in the primary. Yeah. It is in the primary. Not as an incumbent, is right. what I mean. And I, I think you'll find several others. That, that I think Ted Cruz might throw his uh, name in there. Mike Pompeo. I wouldn't be surprised if Mike Pence uh, threw his oh, name in there. That's going to be crazy. You think but, Carney was wild this weekend. I mean, wait till Trump starts running against... If, if what you're saying is true, Trump starts running against those guys. I mean, all verbal... You know, it's... All hell is going to break loose. Take what we saw in, in Kearney, and this has been this isn't just unique to Nebraska. This is something that's happened um, a number of places across the country where it becomes how loyal have you been to Donald Trump? So if you are now running against him, where he's trying to go, get back into the presidency, what does that do for your own political? At this time, this broadcast house radio station is conducting a test of the emergency alert system. In the event of an actual emergency, the series of tones would be followed by news and information. Again, this is a test of the emergency alert system. Trump does run. Pence will not be vice president. Yeah, thank you. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I went out on a limb on that one. Yeah, I did. I went way out. <laughs> Where's the war horse to place that wager? Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's in negotiations with uh, get DeSantis as his running mate so he doesn't run against him. Did, did this past weekend hurt um, hurt Ricketts at all when looking to future positions? I don't know. I don't know what he's going for. So well, I still... that, that, well, that's the thing. It, is is it a cabinet position? Is he looking to be a, on, on a ticket as a vice president? Prob- he, no matter what he's looking for, losing your party is not helpful. Yeah, but no, no, nobody's going to think of that. And if he's a vice presidential candidate or somebody in a national vote, that's going to be a blip on the radar. That's a year old, year and a half old. I right? think they'd still look to that. Mm, maybe.
You mean just a chance to, uh, his chance that somebody would want him to do that? You mean it, well, in terms of being asked to do it? Yes, yeah. in terms of being asked to do it. If you're on the ticket, you're on the ticket. It can just be a little bit fodder for your opponents. Right. But I think it's going to be hurtful when you're going through the list of names to be, if someone's saying, I want this person or this person. I could see the Pete Ricketts, though, as a cabinet officer in any type of administration. Yeah, I, it feels like the, it's still kind of... Department of Commerce, kind of feels ag, like that's what it is. You know, his his background in business, the the fact that Nebraska is such a huge ag state and what he brings, and that of course would follow the footsteps of Mike Johans. God, this tightrope, this tightrope of sort of appearing to still be like on the going against Herbster, but still not. But somehow he and Trump have been like cordial, mostly cordial. Although Trump called him a rhino, and but he still says uh, it's it's just a tightrope right now number one average u.s pump prices fell 3.1 cents to seven uh, 472.1 cents a gallon over the weekend Woo! largest daily drop since december 2008 according to AAA. prices at the pump have been falling for the past 27 days hey it's all over everyone <clears throat> <laughs> it's over we did it mission accomplished we, mission accomplished we got him Oh, yeah. And and by the way, the federal budget uh, has been balanced and there is no more, uh, you know, debt. So it's it is a little sad when I'm, when I'm like when I'm like 432. What a bargain. Yeah. Better fill it up. All right. 756 now. Found out through, we had both gas tanks either half or full and got an email yesterday that 60 cents, 66 cents per gallon expires today. Oh, Uh-oh. boy. Siphon it. Siphon it so you can get 20 get, gallons in there. Just you know, get I'm all sure you, those little gas sure tanks. You've had to siphon gas into a bus at some point in your life? No, because they, they run diesel. So you Can't use a siphon on diesel? Yeah, but you don't siphon gas and put in a diesel. I mean, right. just fuel. <laughs> siphon fuel. 756. <laughs> This is dumb. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on KLIN. You're we need need All right, 809. It's a radio show that has all the tension of happy hour at the Eunice Conference Center in Kearney, Nebraska right now. Good morning, Tim Herza. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you, Jack? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, happy Monday. Happy Happy Monday to you. Uh, all right. I'm. Ex- I was very excited to talk to you today because I was interested in your perspective on what's <laughs> kind of been in the news over the uh, the weekend as a as a Republican and and just kind of watching all of this. I guess my my first question for you is sort of about. I, I think probably myself and and maybe a lot of the listeners don't quite maybe know the the import and the impact of sort of what goes on inside of the party. So when you change leadership like happened over the weekend and, and a lot of the personnel step down and there's just kind of a, a changing of the guard to some degree, what are the likely, like, if there are any, what are the likely actual feasible impacts of of something like that over the coming months and, and years? You know, that's an interesting question. And um, even from my perspective, it's been more than... Uh, what, maybe about 10 years, um, not quite 10 years, about 10 years since I was in a state central committee meeting last year. So um, I've never been to a state convention in the summer, uh, at, uh, but, I, but I, my understanding is it works very similarly to those regular state 
state central committee meetings where you're doing party business, internally resolutions brought forward and so forth. Um, the the move this weekend, uh, I, it wasn't unexpected for, for those who kind of know what's been going on for several months now um, and have followed you know social media posts from some of the organizers of this, but also who, who kind of know how the party operates. Like, this has been a thing that's been going on since, since before the delegates were, were selected and those sort of things. There's been a, a ton of unrest or, I guess, frustration maybe is a, the better word for for those people who sort of orchestrated the moves this last weekend, um, the real question was whether or not they could get it done, right? Um, were the votes there, kind of how many of the representatives had it, and obviously uh, it looks like they did have the votes to do what they wanted to do, replace leadership. Dan Welch, who's been chairman for a long time. Um, I think I was at the, the state central committee meeting. The last one I was at was when I think he was elected chair, yeah. replaced to the chairship. So. Um, but he's been there a long time and he's done a really good job leading the party. What does it mean from here? Um, it, it means that it means that you're going to have new leadership, right? It's going to set a direction for the party. The real question right now is kind of, um, when you have such an abrupt transition, how smoothly that goes, um, do, does the, does the leadership, does, um, uh, Mr. Underwood, does Eric Underwood know? what he needs to do in terms of stepping into that role as chair and um, putting, putting things back together, getting the organization ready to go. I mean, the chair, the chair changes over. That's one thing. Um, the apparatus itself, kind of whose leadership, who's operating, it's all gone now too, right? So your executive director's gone. They'll have to get to work on hiring somebody there. Um, just your general fundraising day-to-day fundraising and day-to-day operations stuff has to get back to it on the ground and figure out what they need to do so that they can assist Republican candidates heading into November. And I think I know there's been some, <laughs> some speculation about what that means for candidates. Um, Nebraska is still a very Republican state. I don't know that who the chair of the party is is going to make a ton of difference in terms of this ongoing election cycle. I think the real question is, um, you know, whether whether the transition to the new chair, the new leadership lasts for a period of years and starts, you know, um, impacting or influencing or changing maybe the direction of where things would have gone with future election cycles. So uh, for this one, I don't I don't know that it changes a ton. Um, I I mean, I think that Nebraska is a Republican state. I, and, and hey, you know, at least for statewide races. You have a gubernatorial candidate on the Democratic side, but the Democratic Party ain't necessarily doing things right right now either when they're not, you know, fielding candidates right. at all. Um, you have a, one of the largest infighting things the Republican Party has ever seen out publicly, uh, and the Democratic Party has you know, no opportunity <laughs> to right. do anything about it. So um, I don't expect it to change this election cycle much. Uh, obviously, the state party matters in legislative races and those sort of things, but um, it won't matter for those top boxes, and I don't think it'll change a lot in, in a month and a half's time. Is this mainly about uh, Herbster, Pillen, that whole thing, or does it does it predate that, or is that, is that really the crystallization of this whole thing? What's your kind of read on that? If I'm a... Look, I haven't talked to... In the last week or so, um, any of the folks who helped orchestrate the thing, you know, I've, I've heard from them a couple of times or randomly here and there over the last year or so. 
Um, I don't know if that's all. I don't know if that's, that's everything that's there, but it's certainly part of it, right? Um, when 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 Donald Trump's chosen candidate uh, gets beat, <laughs> right, uh, in a race where people say it was unfair, and you know they blame blame the sitting governor, the sitting leader of the party, um, unfairly or not. Uh, that's who they that's who they kind of point to as the reason that things didn't work out for a candidate who couldn't get elected. Um, it's it's really tough to know, but I, I think that's part of it. Um, I also, I mean, I think it's certainly reflective of what you've seen at some of the local parties too, right? So um, it's a it's sort of a movement that started growing and look, you got to show up. Um, and I, you know, uh, people, people who show up, uh, are the ones who get to, get to have a say, right? And so if these folks are motivated to come out and they've got an agenda and they want to get it done, that's what they do. They come out, they get their friends to come out, they elect people, they run for the leadership offices and they get it done. And I, Saturday was, I wasn't there. I really, really wish I had been. I think it would have been um, interesting. I talked to a couple of people that were there. Just, yeah. Again, not terribly unexpected if you're watching it. Just the real question is whether or not they had the vote. They did. What what what's so sort of odd to me is I feel like these kind of these factions are there really a very few policy differences. I, I mean, practically maybe none um, or very little. But it's sort of this, you know, this. It feels like there's this lit, litmus test about how you react to Trump to some degree, and I don't know if that's oversimplifying it or not. What I still don't quite understand is why there was so much acrimony that sort of manifested itself in the in the Ricketts Pillen Herbster thing, you know, because, you know, to hear, to hear Ricketts say it, he's a fan of Trump's right. And so, you know, if, if Herbster is largely defined, which he was by being Trump's guy for this, why is there so, so much of a problem that really exacerbated this fissure that was, that was happening? Why, why couldn't he, you know, why couldn't he have just said, you know, what, uh, I'm sitting back and, you, whoever is, wh- 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 I don't have the answer to that question. I don't know if you do, but to me, that's that's the. I mean, that's the bottom line of this whole thing. What what was motivating whatever happened during that? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not sure that it's. <laughs> I'm not sure whether it's entirely about President Trump or not. Um, obviously, you and I have talked about this repeatedly, even through kind of the Herbster Pillen run, like at every turn, Donald Trump endorsed Jim Pillen, but even in his endorsement of Jim Pillen, or of, sorry, Donald Trump yeah. endorsed Charles Herbster, but even in that endorsement, he throws a nod to Governor Ricketts, right? right. Uh, he parenthetically says, who's also done a great job in Nebraska. So I don't think anybody could could argue that Pete Ricketts and Donald Trump haven't been, you know, kind of on the same page or that they haven't been supportive of one another, at least not for several years, right? Not since going back to... That uh, that election, the initial election, 2016, when Trump took a few swipes at the governor, but um, and so so the like whether or not he has the support, whether or not Pete Ricketts has the support of Trump or Trump supports Pete Ricketts, I don't think there's that much to quibble about. I mean, obviously Trump had his chosen candidate and Ricketts had his chosen candidate. Now, whether or not it's all about Charles Herbster, I don't know that that's I don't know that that's fair to say. I think it's part of the equation. I don't think it's all about that. I think there's 
there are there there's clearly talking points that are coming out of the leaders of this movement and some of the things that you've seen on Facebook and social media, which were they were in the paper this last week and they're um, all over some of the Facebook websites and stuff. But people have been very critical of the administration for a lot of reasons. Um, and whether again, whether or not that's fair to attribute it, I think it goes beyond just Charles Herbster. Um, so that's part of it. Without. Without question, that's part of it. But but somehow the quote-unquote establishment has been able to maintain enough of a successful relationship with with Trump himself or Trump's people that, like you said, when he puts out a statement about Herbster, he kind of compliments Ricketts. He endorses Sass, right? I mean, he endorsed Sass right. uh, over, right. over Innes, who is like his biggest loyalist here in this whole thing. Like, there is some connection there, and they also sort of pay tribute to it verbally, but the the rank and file of the party doesn't i don't know if they don't believe it or or what's going on there you know what i mean uh he is not only did he endorse past his re-election but then what turned around in his rally here and called him out right, right. <laughs> again right um jim rat ben <laughs> right and then but sass votes to impeach him to convict him <laughs> yeah yeah i like i said i i don't i mean the it's clear that and maybe that's, I don't understand the national Republican politics like that. Um, I'm not definitely not close enough to it, uh, but there's clearly, there's clearly been a good relationship between Nebraska Republicans and the president, um, even when there wasn't, right? So there was, <laughs> there's a hiccup with that, then they're followed by an endorsement. They're not now the best of friends, so what do you do? Um, outside of that, I think I think there's been really good uh, relationship between the Trump administration and Nebraska Republicans uh, throughout President Trump's term in office, and then even you know re- recently, like we discussed. So, like I said, I don't know that it's entirely about Trump. You can go the social media stuff is not it's not hidden. The, the criticism that comes from some of the folks who orchestrated the the takeover, if you will, or whatever you want to refer to it as, on Saturday. Um, they've been clear on social media they're upset. So, I as like I said, the real question is kind of what the the broader delegation would do. I mean, yeah, hundreds of people in that room, and most of them are there because they're Republicans, not necessarily because you know they're they're out for an agenda. But clearly, they were they had been talked to or had been recruited by people who of like mind. So. And I know this is kind of what I asked in the first question, but this is a little bit, I mean, are these people, I, I mean, are, are, is there, the party still going to get behind Pillen? I assume so, but I mean, they just sort of overthrew his loyalists at the, uh, at the campaign, at the, uh, at the party convention. What does that look like over the next few months? Uh, I think Eric Underwood, I just saw the tweet from Saturday. I wasn't there, obviously, but I think in his speech after accepting the chairmanship, I think he got up on the mic and said that they would work to elect Republicans. Uh, I think he mentioned Cohen by name. I have to go back and double check, and you're trusting reporters because I wasn't in the room. So I I fully expect the party to support this candidate. Uh, Republican candidates are up. They're the ones that are on the ballot. Um I do know that there were some delegates to the convention that were sort of in question who are you know, running writing campaigns or whatever, but I, I don't think that the party apparatus should, should or will get involved in that. And here's the thing, too, Jack, it's a month and a half away. So how much, how much can you influence when 
you're talking about, you know, Republicans who are going to have their name printed on a ticket because they had successful primaries versus you know, rated candidates or other party candidates who are trying to get get on the ballot and get their name out. I I don't think that would work, and and I I don't know the extent of the business that was done on Saturday. I'd have to go back and look at it, but you still have to follow some party rules before you start kind of just changing any of that sort of stuff. And the party rules are going to are going to say that Republican Party supports Republican candidates. So I I don't expect it to have an impact on this election in November. If it gets to the point where the party is taking shots at the the nominee for governor, or you know, publicly or officially or Anything like that, you're going to have you have a lot of confusion. Well, <laughs> I, I, I asked I asked that just because I I think the 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 a, a Fisher and the party has a better chance of stopping Republicans than Democrats do in this state. Like this, wow. I, I mean that's that's the biggest that would I mean and it's you know, who knows it may, it may not but that's the much bigger threat right <laughs> than actually you know going up in a statewide contest where the democrats either don't put up a candidate or or put up a, a candidate basically kind of nominally for this whole thing which we've seen lots of times too so yeah i mean we'll even that sort of infighting i don't know that it opens the door i know there's a lot of speculation that maybe democrats have a shot or something look if anything it just kind of fractures the party moving forward um, it's not going to stop republicans from getting elected yeah. in this state now the interesting point will be when uh First time that a, a senator retires or takes another job, a state senator takes or, or another job or something, which we've seen happen. Things like that happen a lot during the last year, and and Jim Pillen nominates somebody for that spot, assuming he's the governor at that point. <laughs> I mean, that rubber meets the road there on this whole thing. Well, I mean, legislative legislative appointments are made by the governor. There's no party influence whatsoever there. So um, right. it's just this congressional thing that is kind of odd in terms of how they were seating a special election i think I, that's a very that's a very rare thing so yeah outside of that i the the, the party apparatus exists to help republicans get elected help connect republican candidates to republican voters um i i i feel like the, the question is out how much how well will this group of leadership do as compared to the old group and that's that's kind of the big question yep. And then, and then, will will they be able to get stuff together? And how effective will they be at it when, when they have, there is not a transition, and when it's as abrupt as it is, and you're building up from the ground, and you're taking over the, the voter file resources and all of those things that the Republican Party has access to, and that candidates rely on uh, for the state party. So. Never any uh, lacking for drama when it comes to. Uh... <laughs> When it comes to politics, it's been and, a wild year. It and really I'm has been a wild glad year. I've got you to explain a bunch of it to me because I need that sometimes. Hey, good to talk to you, Tim. I appreciate it. We'll catch up again next week. Have a good one. Thanks, Jack. There you go. It's Tim Hruza. 826. We will take a break. We've got sports coming up next on KLIN. Get today's top news and sports directly to your inbox. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, welcome back, 837. Glad to have you back with us on this Monday morning. 
And uh, our guest right now is uh, somebody who worked with several times here uh, on on this program and what he does at the uh, University of Nebraska Athletic Department. His title executive associate AD for Life Skills. Been doing that for a long time and doing a great job with it. And uh, joins us right now to talk a little bit about an event coming up and a little bit more, too. Hey, Keith, how are you doing? Keith Zimmer, how are you doing? Doing well, Jack. Thank you for your time. Good. Hey, well, first of all, just uh, tell me, uh, tell me what you're up to with with life skills right now. What's kind of new in that area? I've, you know, I've uh, we've we've spotlighted a lot on this show over the years, but I'm just kind of curious how with the the progression of everything that's happening in the athletic uh, department in the world of college sports as well. How, you know what that kind of means for you these days. Yeah. Well, a year ago, Jack, in July, first of July, is when name, image, and likeness became permissible with the NCAA. So. Of course, athletic department staff members can't facilitate deals with our current athletes, but we can educate our athletes on how to become more marketable, to build their brands so they are in a position to hopefully get deals through NIL. So we've implemented a program called Husker Advantage. It's a five-series educational uh, required event for all of our athletes You know that really helps our athletes build their brand, become more marketable, focus on communication, finances, compliance. It's the new era and something that we're always trying to remain cutting edge. So that's probably been the newest thing within the past year. And and, and for people who don't know kind of more broadly, just tell us a little bit about the whole program, which you've been working with for a long time. What is What does life skills actually mean in the context of what you do? Yeah, so life skills, you know, of course, you have academics on one end and athletics on the other. Those are the essentials of the student-athlete experience. Nebraska's always tried to do more for our athletes. So they can become more. So it's really trying to equip them with those separators, those extra opportunities that can make them more marketable for life after sports. As you know, Jack, very few become a pro, and if they do, they don't do it for very long. So really trying to get our athletes acclimated to Nebraska, focus on retention, you know, make sure they have a career identity outside of their sport, get them involved in the community, become leaders on campus, and also educate them on the hottest topics you know, so they can continue to be uh, good ambassadors for themselves and for Nebraska athletics. You, you've you been doing this, Keith, long enough that I'm always kind of curious what it's like when you hear back from people that you you and your, your department worked with, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago and beyond and, and seeing what they're doing now. It's kind of almost like a proud parent. I've, what's that experience been like for you? It's been great. It's been very rewarding. That's why I've stayed in it for 35 plus years. And, you know, I've seen just so many success stories, and Nebraska has been their foundation, and they will tell you that. You know, the Will Shields, who's went on to become the NFL Man of the Year, the Rex Burkheads, who helped us with, you know, what we're going to talk about with the road race, and Team Jack, Karen Jennings, who's become one of the the top realtors in the Midwest, and, of course, my boss was a student athlete that I recruited, Trev Alberts, who really epitomizes the you know, the student athlete that we try to develop, you know, a great athlete, a great student, and a great ambassador. So I've been very fortunate to work with thousands of outstanding student athlete leaders and they make Nebraska very proud. Yeah, that's like the ultimate validation, Keith. You did such a good job, he became your boss, right? <laughs> We're lucky to have him. Chris doing a great job. Uh, well, coming up, and this is cool. I know this is something you've been uh, involved in a long time. I actually ran in one of the uh, early first year or two you guys were doing this, but the Nebraska football road race is coming up, and there's uh, you still got a couple of days to get into the early registration. But tell us a little bit about the, the evolution of this uh, road race and, and how you kind of use it. 
So yeah, it started back in 2013. Everybody probably remembers the the 69-yard touchdown run from then six-year-old Jack Hoffman, who's now going to be a junior this year up in Atkinson on their football team. And, uh, you know, that really started and propelled the whole Team Jack movement. Our football team wanted to do more than just the run during the spring game, so they came up with the idea of doing an annual road race. This will be our 10th annual. The football team has helped raise nearly 250 thousand dollars all those money stay in state they go up to unmc to the fred and pamela buffett cancer center and really the platform of nebraska football has helped team jack you know raise nearly nine million dollars for brain cancer research so it's been a proud affiliation uh the road race is this sunday july 17th we still have room for you jack would love to see you there <laughs> the initial registration deadline is uh, this wednesday again we do a one mile fun run walk and then also a 5k we've had as many as 800 runners in the past and we're well over 500 now would like okay. to see a few hundred more get registered for this event a great cause you get to interact with every member of the nebraska football team the nebraska volleyball team will also be staffing a, a water station at the turnaround of the 5k over by the devaney center so just great interaction with our student athletes all for a great cause and something that we hope uh, Lincoln comes out for and uh, enjoys the enjoys the morning this Sunday. Well, yeah, that's that's kind of the cool thing about this is is to to be out there and, and help a great cause, but be close, kind of rub elbows with some of the athletes. And I know from over the years, I think I've had some of them on my show talking about it. They're they've been very involved in in making this a thing. And you alluded to that originally. How do, how does that work exactly? That you you get this sort of connection with the athletes and the event itself. Well, you know, we have a great leadership team. We've got guys like uh, Ramir Johnson and Nick Henrich and Omar Manning, uh, Heinrich Harburg, Ryan Schomer. Those guys work with us in the Lincoln Track Club okay. to make this event what it is. We've got great leadership with the Lincoln Track Club. The Baldonado family with the home agency yep. have been great sponsors and supporters of uh, all things pediatric brain cancer. They are the only sponsor uh, for the road race. So, it's just become a, a fun event and something that really teaches our football players incredible perspective. I mean, I can hear them above my office right now. They're running Memorial Stadium steps. <laughs> but, you know, they think that's tough compared to when you look at what these brain cancer families and patients, yeah. you know, with surgeries and chemo and all kinds of different things. It's it's a great life lesson for our players to give just a little bit of their time and hopefully show that, we are with these patients and families no matter what. There's great unity. Just like they support Nebraska football, we're going to support them through their toughest time. Yeah, and, and, and I'll say this, having been a part of the Team Jack Radiothon since its inception um, years ago, and, and we do that every fall. We'll have that coming up again this fall again. It's uh, th- that that sort of participation that openness to it from the the athletic department the football program the players themselves not only when they're playing but years after you talked about rex and several others and and, um uh, kevin cody thomas does a great job of of getting getting those those people involved but they're willing to and i think that all kind of stems from the beginning of this thing and it's um you're right it's had a it's had a real impact that the state the team um everyone's had a real legit impact on research um on families who have and will go through this as well and i think that's a a cool thing for for everybody to be proud of and to kind of see happen here and and it's a chance to celebrate that this weekend so yeah huskers.com slash road race 
uh, this Wednesday's the initial deadline. You can register even the morning of $25 for the one mile, $30 for the 5K. Great cause. Great interaction. Jack, we're just 47 days out. I know. Husker football. So this is really the the kickoff of the Nebraska football season and a great chance to get to come meet all the players. And Coach Frost will be speaking at the event. Bree Hoffman, the co-founder of Team Jack, will be there. We have a brain cancer survivor singing the national anthem. Cool. It's going to be a great morning, and look forward to seeing everybody come and, out. And by the way, look, I'm on the website. It looks like a, bu- a bunch of cool potential prizes that people can win uh, as yeah. well, kind of door prizes get, with this whole thing. get signed up before this Wednesday, they'll be eligible to win autographed Husker helmets, uh, volleyballs, team basketballs. We've got game tickets we're giving away for the first two home games. So there's definitely some incentive to – to go to huskers.com road race and get registered now very cool all right so uh, get there uh, get there get signed up by uh, wednesday if you want to get eligible for those things and get out and uh and get some exercise with the whole thing hey keith always appreciate always enjoy talking to you we'll do it again soon i'm sure thank you for your time jack there you go that is keith zimmer and uh with university of nebraska the executive associate AD for life skills. All right, we're going to grab a break. Got a couple of topics here I want to get to here before the end of the show. We'll jump on those and tell you about what's coming up the rest of the week. It's 846 LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, it's 850 LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Uh, love Keith Zimmer, by the way. Always enjoy talking to him and uh, done so many good things uh, there with the athletic department. And uh, hope you guys, some of you will make it out to that 5K. It did remind me of this, this story we haven't had a chance to talk to here, uh, talk about here uh, that made some news at the end of last week, the, the beginning of the uh, the weekend. But so the, the new the, the newest iteration of NIL as it pertains to Nebraska and <laughs> and and some other schools. I saw Iowa is doing something similar to this. Probably a lot of other schools, but they're making a fan club. Yeah. Uh, players are getting together. And, and it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's player-led. Players. That's the big it's, deal. That's the yes. big part of this. And so they, they're, they've got people they're putting on a, a wait list. You can only, there can only be 5,000 members in this whole thing they haven't announced well announced the cost of it yet five thousand spots is, is is the way it would really work so someone can purchase more spots so you might have no less limit members. on memberships yes but yeah, the, yeah well i would assume if you're buying it for a family or a group of yeah that's what something yeah like that is um but i don't know exactly I, what do you think this this look looks like huh. exactly i it's going to be intriguing because it's just another wrinkle in the name image likeness era now a year in um which as we were hearing Keith talk about they've had to adjust a lot of things they're doing on their end with how you teach people to be responsible and what all they need to learn about that what are the life skills that ne- they need but now the student athletes are taking more control of what that is we've seen the What's it look like when the boosters are really involved? What's it look like when you have the places like Open Doors really involved? And now the student-athletes on their own taking charge of it. I'm wondering where at some point, because this is one of the the pieces going forward that's going to have to come in when you talk name-image likeness, what potential pitfalls is this going to have? Where are there going to be places that guardrails need to be placed are you if you're part of this membership because the student athletes they get they they get a couple tickets to home games and stuff for family members 
are those going to start being raffled off within those groups? If they're saying, oh, I don't have family coming to the Oklahoma game. Well, I've got two tickets here, so let's see if we can just sell these and make some money off of them within the within this membership club. Like there, there's there's some things that we I think still need to be really fleshed out with it. So there's more. So Iowa's doing this too, and and I'm not. I I wonder if it's the same you know people behind it essentially that are that are running it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it is or not, but he, there's more details on what Iowa's look like. Okay. Um and I can I can tell you that cuz I've got the the release here that they've got it costs uh 199 bucks for the year and the benefit and and it equally supports every team member that is participating so they spread it out evenly. Here's what they get. A meet and greet with the team annual NIL club members only tailgate online community to engage with the players and access to player created content so it sounds like it it, it sounds like there's a couple of events mm-hmm. that you would you would get to go to um whatever online community to engage with the players i don't know what that means is that a discord is this like is this like a, a really player or student athlete focused Patreon? I don't know. And then access to player created content, which to me that sounds like uh, they're going to make podcasts. Yes, probably that right. only subscribers are going to get access to. So uh, again, like like a player driven Patreon, because I don't know what other content those players are doing, or or would be able to do within this sphere. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I I I don't know. Otherwise, I'm not unless they're blogging or, you know, something or making videos, I suppose. You know, kind of I don't know, maybe Thomas Fedoni really likes to paint. Social media or little videos after games or something. Yeah. Like that. Like my, my question is uh, for for the f- is there uh, how is this is a how much of a value is this for fans? How much is there a demand for if that if that's what it looks right. like, if it's, a a meet and greet, so a meet and greet with the team mm-hmm. annual. This is Iowa's again annual NIL club members only tailgate. Uh-huh. Does that mean the players are there or not? <laughs> or is it just the members is of it the just group the members that, are, that, you, that we? Hey, look, we're all getting together. We all paid we, to we hang all, out with each other. Hang out. We could have done this for free. <laughs> I'm not trying to. I'm I'm not trying to. It's it's just. It's not as easy as it sounds sometimes to come up with the the value and the uh, and, yeah. and, and and you know experience that these players are able to provide mm-hmm. with the commitments that they've already got and and what they can provide mm-hmm. um, on these sorts of things, especially when you get to the in season part of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So a hundred ninety nine bucks. Well, if it's a hunt. Here's the thing: If it's 199 bucks at Iowa, you have to imagine it's going to be more at Nebraska. And they right? said they, they were going to cap Iowa's at 2,000. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, yeah they're going to be. A, they said you could uh, purchase them for Iowa in late July. Owning the digital access pass is how you become a member of the club. Okay. Interesting. I mean, I I don't I don't know. It, it comes down to like you said. What value do the fans think they're getting out of it? Is it is it worth the the two hundred dollars a year to have that access to to how much of the the online community are you able to converse with the student athletes? 
Like how how much of that do you're not going to be conversing with five thousand people? I don't know. Yeah, I, I know. So how many conversations are you going to have at one time? Is it just going to be you open up a thread and kind of just talk a it's little just, bit? It's it's difficult. As somebody who's kind of, as, I mean, I'm be honest. I've thought about I've thought about ways that we could you know mm-hmm. be involved in this in some ways. But the sort of the the difficult thing is saying, okay, well, here is enumerated list of things that you know you're you're providing that you're yes. that the student athlete is actually doing to Here are the expectations. to provide us values and 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 what and when that looks like and how much of it and all of those things that go along with that as well so yeah i don't i don't know but do the do the math on like the iowa one for instance so um what 2000 if they would sell 2000 for 200 what did i say 199 so 200 that's just shy each, of so. uh, four hundred thousand dollars total four hundred thousand dollars and then divide that up by i don't know what 50 what say 50 players do it maybe i don't know that's just about eight thousand dollars a player assuming there's overhead but there's overhead too and i'm sure right. i don't know how much of the cut the player takes but you know so what? At for, least five thousand maybe a player? Five, maybe five. I mean, it's wild speculation here, right. but just kind of the ballpark of of what you're dealing with this with this whole thing. So I don't know. It's and you have to imagine that Nebraska's is going going to look slightly different than, than Iowa's, but really close to what that what what is laid out there. Yeah. Hey, if you were if I were a player, you know what I would do instead of that? Come on the radio every week. Yes. Do it once, right? Do it once every week. Know who you're talking to. Get the message out. Big audience. That's what I do. That's just (laughs) me, though. All right. uh, Coming up a little bit later this week, tomorrow. Tomorrow we've got, uh, I think we got to return to John Baylor tomorrow. Yeah, Baylor and Jason Ball are going to be on. It's been a little while since we've had Baylor on, and we are getting, uh, yeah, we're, we're starting to get very close to that fall volleyball season. we got more uh, news that goes along with that. So he is going to uh, join us tomorrow, Wednesday. We'll have What Chaps My Hide. Uh, John Bishop is going to join us. Um, Thursday, we'll do some uh, Ticket Thursday. Got Grow Lincoln as well. And Friday, Request Line Friday. I'm excited for this one. The go-to karaoke song This is. Uh, I'm, I'm setting up a scenario, scenario for you. Whether you're a singer or not, but your life depends on it. <laughs> and you're you've got to sing one karaoke song, right? And you've got to, the one you can nail better than anything else, as good as you can do. You're picking that song. What's it going to be? Yes. And I'm going to be fascinated to hear. And and we, we're probably going to sing ours. We're probably yeah. We will probably have more singing in the background. Yeah. So be thinking about that. Also tonight on DTL, Commander Riggins was at the GOP convention on Saturday. He's going to talk about it. That's at 5. That ought to be interesting. Be very fascinated to hear what his perception was of everything that went on there. All right, that's it for us. We'll see you tomorrow, 9 o'clock. KLI and Lincoln.